another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering. Here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 25, recorded live on April 7th. We've hit 25, the silver anniversary. The time when we apparently accumulate wisdom and elegance, beauty and taste. Last week, we found that beauty and chaos fits us well and certainly shows great taste. Wisdom and elegance? Well, we'll have to see. Let's see how we handle the decades tonight, and let's see how Tool grabs us. I'm your host, Foggy, and as always with me, JPP. <laughs> you said Tool grabs us. <laughs> and Teabags. Teabags, too hot for TV. Yes. What's up, guys? <laughs> What's happening? Before we begin, I have a fun fact for us. Uh-oh. This is for those people out there that think Prince came along a lot later than he did. His first album debuted today in 1978. Wow. How about that? Yeah. That's incredible. There's been so much talk of people saying that, you know, you have it easy with your career and no one really sees the, the time spent struggling before they hit the status that brought them to their you know, notoriety that they have today. So that's, yeah. no, that's very commendable. And, you know, the fact that everything is so convenient these days, not to go on a big rant, but, you know, you, you can push a button and you've got a beat going and stuff like that. They, they just don't know the, the work that was put in back then. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm all for, you know, hearing the history of, of these guys breaking their backs to get where they were. So, no, that's cool. I'll have to mm-hmm. definitely listen to some of that early, early stuff and see how it developed through the decades. Yeah, no, that's right. That's cool. A lot of people are putting in time and garages and clubs and everything else, <laughs> hauling their equipment. So, absolutely groovy. Sorry. Okay, how oh, I did that part out. So, Foggy, how was your weekend? Anything exciting happen? I passed a big test. Yeah, that's all that matters. So. Did you see a doctor for it? <laughs> uh, see a doctor and get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's how Navin Johnson did it. So that's how I'll do it. Um, <laughs> no, no, it was just nice to pass one more thing on my uh, building administrator's license. So very good. Very proud of you. And hopefully we didn't deserve, disturb you too much before you had to get started. No, I needed it. I needed to get loose before I had the big <laughs> test. I'd studied all afternoon. So I was ready to roll. Right on. Good deal. Awesome. T-Bags, how about you? Um, well, I, it wasn't this weekend, but this week um, with my uh, Orlando Apollos in the lead for the AAF league, um, they just completely folded and disbanded and dissolved and left everybody high and dry. So the league is no more. <laughs> I can't win. I'm a Saints fan. And that, you know how that went this year. And then my team's in the league and they are in the lead and the whole league dissolves. <laughs> so I'm just going to stay out of sports for a while. So what you're saying is crash and burn. That's the way to go. Uh, apparently yeah <laughs> i think sports out of season are just a tough sell in general true yeah but i mean out, out of this one we won't get hung up on this too much but out of this some people actually went from this league to the nfl i mean mm-hmm. it uh it had its purpose and it could have been really good if it was managed better i think but I, I think what's really bad is they left people that had injuries and stuff high and dry with no medical insurance and Ugh. stuff like that so Anyway, I guess we'll see what the XFL does this year. <laughs> <laughs> It'll fold. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter how bad the NFL wants some kind of a triple-A style league. 
if the fans don't want it, it just doesn't work. So yeah, true. Oh well. JPP. Hopefully we'll someday. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully someday. JPP, what was your weekend like? Well, same thing as you. Lots of yard work and uh, moving muscles that I didn't know existed to uh, get some stuff done. But uh, through the week, I've been working on a, a three-part kind of an epic tune, if you will. <clears throat> yeah. It's an instrumental that I started back in 2014, and it's been on my mind a lot lately, and I wanted to kind of bring it to reality. So I got it done. Um, I posted it on my personal Facebook page for, you know, friends and stuff like that. But uh, there's some snippets on Instagram. You can check out there too. Uh, I put some motion graphics to it. So, so it doesn't look like a boring black screen while you're listening to the audio, but um, really happy with it. It was a good challenge. Lots of harmonies and little melodies here and there. And just really wanted to embellish the riffs tastefully without going overboard with constant things layered on top of it but um i'm happy with how large it sounds the guitars were were uh you know very much in the pocket and and i worked really hard on it a lot of a lot of late nights and working to the point of exhaustion so it was a good mental exercise as well as just pushing myself to to see it through and i got it done in two weeks so i'm pretty proud of myself for you know recording a nine minute tune in two weeks yeah no it's awesome i listened to it i think we should put it on our facebook page uh, sure. Other people listen to it too. It's it's really good. Thanks, and, man. Yeah, we're reviewing Tool this week, so a nine minute song is nothing. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> Except I took two weeks. What's up, guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm kidding. And mine's nowhere near that level, but you know, nonetheless, I had a lot of fun, and that's the important thing. So, but thanks for listening to it. I do appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was awesome. Speaking of challenging, uh, Steve, you had the challenge this week. You want to recap for us? For sure. So this week we are picking four songs, one from each decade that for us encapsulates the feeling of that decade. So we've got the 70s, 80s, 90s, and then the 2000s. We're combining the two together since we haven't completed the second decade yet of the 2000s. Okay, wait. So that 2000 one was, what's that? I thought we weren't doing 2000s because they weren't over yet or whatever. No, we were just doing one because we got 2000 to 2010 but we didn't have to through to 2020 yet. So. Okay. Well, so you didn't do a last song. Is that what you're trying I'll to tell one. me? I'll have one. Easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Oh, you say it's easy. It took me forever. Cause I don't know. Just no, no. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Um, did you get through the explanation? Cause I was, I was taken aback there for a second. <laughs> no, I'm just getting started. Tony. Hmm. Thank, thanks for listening. <laughs> We're going to let Jason. <laughs> he just teabagged all over us. <sighs> well, you know, I, I need to see a doctor myself. So <laughs> you want me to kick this off? Absolutely. Cool. So I, uh, it, I, I don't have much memory of the seventies as I was born uh, mid seventies. And by the time I was starting to have a, uh, cognizant memory <laughs> it was the 80s so hey he man how you doing but um i went back to tunes that i really enjoyed in the 70s and the one that stuck out to me is like the epitome uh kicks it off in 1970 and that's hand of doom by black sabbath oh, okay and the cool thing about that tune is you know it's starts off a little mellow and and uh you know bill ward's kind of playing the rim instead of the full snare and it's got a nice little funky beat to it as well you know so it's not 
anything that you would expect to kick off. And then once the, the chorus kicks in, it's just bam, and then, you know, the distorted <laughs> guitars and, you know, back then, you know, the, the gain wasn't what it is today with production techniques and stuff, but still just heavy as hell. And, and, you know, those guys made a, a everlasting mark as we all know for sure. So I thought what, a, what a good way to kick off the seventies with black Sabbath. Absolutely. Nice. Very good. T-bags. What yeah. do you have? Uh, well, I think the 70s for me was all Pink Floyd. So, um, I mean, Animals would be my favorite album, but you know, in the 70s, they released Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, Animals, and The Wall. So a pretty epic decade for them. Certainly. Oh, man. And that's the thing I thought about Pink Floyd, but it's like, I, I, I can't choose. So I had to go with the one that my gut <laughs> went with and you know no, punched me in the gut. <laughs> personal for us. I mean, obviously, there's a million people would disagree with me that that's the sound of the seventies necessarily, but for mm -hmm. me, that's how I would define them by that. Awesome. Which song, if I had to nail you down for a song, cause since that was actually the challenge. <laughs> well, oh, <it's> song. <laughs> Good. Um, man, I would say probably, uh, I'd probably say sheep off of animals. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, we're talking about personally, right? I mean, popular-wise, it'd be something off the wall or wish you were here. Yeah, yeah. I don't care what other people think. This is you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. <clears throat> um, okay, so for me, I know what you guys are thinking. Yeah. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I mean, I did love Rush, and I got into him more towards the end of the 70s, but when I the bulk of my Rush fandom happened in the 80s so i don't want to go there because i want to think about what did i listen to and love in the 70s when i was in the 70s so what came back to me was boston more than a feeling and um, mm -hmm. i can kind of see later how that influenced me because those they had a lot of layered guitaring which i think led right into me loving smashing pumpkins um so i don't know for some reason that kept coming back and then like peter frampton was a thought in there um, with you know Frampton comes alive and all that it was so influential back then but my choice yeah. Austin Very super good. cool and you know forgive me because I don't have the members of the band's names memorized but hometown friend Andy could talk to me for hours about I think it was one of the guitar players who was quite a brilliant engineer in his own right and was certainly kind of building things to create their sound and just his techniques in general so that certainly lends lends to the the nature of their overall tone their presence and the feel of their albums and and just the energy so um i'll have to follow up with him and, and get some info maybe we can cover that in a future episode with, with some of these guys that you know kind of get real innovative in their own rights and especially with you know the 70s and the 80s when they didn't have a laptop where they could just loop things and you know move quickly so there's uh you know certain uh you know, discussions that can be had there for sure that's a great choice well they hated the fact that they had to pull out of their garage to go into a studio to record their album when they got picked up by the record company right he had everything local like in his garage and that's where the music was made but they had to bow to the company and go mm -hmm. into the studio and make that music. So yeah, I guess it worked out, but <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Good choices all the way around. How about the eighties? What do we, what do we have? <sighs> you guys probably know where I'm going to go. It seems like my uh, drinking tone of uh, 
topic has evolved. I mean, of course, technical things, but I've been talking about Metallica a lot. But I went to 1988 and I chose the shortest straw off of Injustice for All. Um, main reason is <clears throat> the evening uh, my parents uh, bought me a guitar, went home that night, popped on the headphones. I listened to that open E on the album, tuned the guitar to make sure it was relative to the best of my abilities. And I started learning Shortest Straw by ear. It already, if I can talk, I had already been picking on an acoustic guitar and learning the gallops and stuff like that, but I didn't have that distortion. But now that I had an amp and a guitar, oh man, you know, game on. So that was the first song I actually sat down and learned the rhythm parts to. And it took me a while, but I definitely had that opening, you know, that part down real, real well pretty quickly. So, um, that's sentimental and, you know, that what becomes my anthem is one of the first tunes that, you know, ripped my head off and I learned to play. Nice. Yeah. yeah that's a great one. I love that album too. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard the, uh, injustice for Jason on YouTube? I'll put a link in the show notes, but they actually put the bass track in it. I don't know if it's actually Newstead or if somebody played over it, but, um, it's cool to hear it with a little bit of a bass guitar presence either way. Excellent. Yeah. Post that. Yeah, definitely. T-bags. Cool. Uh, 80s was weird for me, man, because <laughs> I was coming <laughs> off of like, you know, going to Catholic school and public school and being a, in some certain crowd and a skater and then a, you know, whatever. So yeah, I was all over the place with Black Flag and Beastie Boys and Michael Jackson and all that crap. But um, actually, Paul, we have an overlap because Metallica was who I picked. Nice. Um and uh, i mean as cliche as it sounds i just remember i remember listening to sitting there looking at the artwork and reading the lyrics of uh, master puppets and that was the changeover for me that out of all the stuff i can appreciate all the other music but like something heavy and deep and well written and all that kind of stuff resonated with me and that that changed a lot of stuff for me at the time so yeah i mean title track and just or not and just throw (laughs) where we can't we both can't speak right uh, master of puppets so yeah that's totally 80s for me awesome no that's that's very cool and you're right i mean the 80s definitely had such a wide variety of things um okay. <laughs> excuse me i talk about it with my wife all the time anytime we're driving and we're you know stuck listening to fm radio for a little bit it gets to the point where it's like which singer is this because it starts to just drown in, amongst each other there's not a distinct sound from production to production anymore and you know I try to say, you know, maybe that's just me getting old and closing off, but digging and trying to listen critically, I I can't hear much difference. I can't, you know, differentiate artist to artist these days from a pop group to a emo, you know, pop rock group as well that's on the FM station. So, um, you know, like you're saying, Depeche Mode, Misfits, Black Plague, I mean, everybody just had distinct sounds and, you know, it was so fun to listen to. So um, tough, tough pick, but, you know, that, that was a good one for you. You know, and I can see where you're coming from on that for sure. Absolutely, yeah. I don't know. Still, big Metallica fan still today. Mm-hmm. Sweet. What did you come up with for the '80s? Uh, I, I didn't listen to music through the '80s, so <laughs> '90s and. Uh, <laughs> it's just weird though, but so most of the music we listened to in the '80s did not come out in the '80s. We listened to so much of the Doors and the Stones. And uh, I mean, the Stones, of course, went through the 80s, but, you know, and Led Zeppelin and those kind of things. But most of what we listened to was 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost went with uh, Don't You Forget About Me because that had such, you know, middle school when all those movies came out. I mean, oh, yeah. 
you know, breakfast club and 16 candles, pretty in pink and all that, you know, um, yeah. it left an impression, but for me, long-term, a lot of my eighties, I had to go with rush red barchetta, um, really kicking off the decade for me. And, um, you know, saw him multiple times in concert in high school and college. So mm-hmm. that for me is definitely the, the jam that did it. Uh-huh. Every time Don't You Forget About Me is brought up in this house, my wife starts to dance from the music video where he's kind of getting his yeah. arms pushed out and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, <laughs> you know, not only is the song iconic, but so is the music video for sure. I always go get a trench coat and raise my arm like Judd Nelson at the end of Breakfast Club. <laughs> I just stand there for like four minutes. I, I get a radio and just go stand outside and hold it up in the air. Like <laughs> <Lord> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's <laughs> oh, we're flying through the decades time's flying we, here well, we are flying it's a metaphor well, we got a lot of work to do later so oh yeah that's right all right 90s what you got fall what what you got what's i got what you got you said sorry <laughs> <laughs> what i got is so what you want by the beastie boys 1992 um lots of good music that decade for me uh changed my perspective on expanding to playing new styles of music really falling in love with electronic music what gravitated me to this particular tune uh just the fact that it's just so raw that organ intro the thick beat heavy bass line you know and the verses and choruses are just tasty uh through the tune it's it's organic and it's just real to me and that really kind of got me out of that just metal mode um, because, you know, with Injustice for All and learning about Megadeth and Sepultura and all these bands, I was really, you know, kind of neck deep in guitar. And I loved the Beastie Boys, don't get me wrong, but that was just kind of a fresh break that kind of, okay, let's, let's like turn this around. Of course they had some punkish elements and stuff going on on the album too, but you know, this, this song in particular just really caught me hook, line and sinker. And it really just opened my mind to what's possible with other instruments between besides guitar, bass, and drums, if you will. So, yeah. Is there anybody that doesn't like that song? I mean, I think feel like that song is like you could play for anybody. Maybe like they'd at least be like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's a good question. I've never heard anybody say, "Oh, I hate them." <laughs> yeah. I think not liking the Beastie Boys is like not liking puppies. <laughs> it's, it's so hard to do. They're just the most likable guys. Um, mm-hmm. They're just fun, and it's hard to say anything bad about them. Yeah, so good. Yeah, and then I mean, you you can say like, okay, well, they're kind of goofy or whatever, and they're mm-hmm. not. But I mean, they they're fun for sure. But they have they're still artists. I mean, they're one of the few artists that still hasn't sold out. You know, they really mm-hmm. keep their collection um, away from the commercial side of things. Yeah, they're, yeah, they definitely intelligent for sure. Yeah, yeah, they hold it true to their heart, hundred percent. So. Um, I'm really interested to see uh, some of the footage of, I've seen some of it where, you know, the the surviving members are touring and talking about their book and stuff. And just the stories are fascinating. And I want to hear more. I mean, I would love to go sit and listen to them all day, talk about, you know, their experiences because it was certainly a forged path that was not laid out before them. They figured it out and dominated. Absolutely. All right. Is it my turn? It is. Yes. Uh, I didn't. There wasn't. There wasn't very many good bands in the '90s for me. I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> um, I, it I was wish really they could see your eyes. <laughs> What's that? I wish the, the people listening could see your eyes. I know, and they would. That's know. all you can see. Exactly. Um, 
it, it was hard for me to not go with anything grunge based, especially like Pearl Jam, just because it was like a defining genre was coming about too in music. But of course, Nine Inch Nails was on the rise, you know, um, in the '90s. So even though the Fragile is my favorite Nine Inch Nails album, um, on the downward spiral, Mister Self Destruct is a defining moment in my life just because coming off of we've talked about this before but pretty hate machine being very um synth and pop and and weird and so right but it was still very um, palatable to broken which was just a wall of guitars hitting in the face and then get i remember the single that came out for uh the downward spiral was um march of the pigs yeah so I, you really weren't sure what you're going to get based off of that song. That was pretty raw, but Mr. Self-Destruct from the opening, how that ramped up and how it all hit you and it dropped off. And then it came back up again and it ended with all that noise. It was like that defined how I was going to love Nine Inch Nails for the rest of time. Very so, cool. Yeah. And in that short span of time between pretty hate machine broken and the downward spiral, you saw an evolution you know what I mean? So there's some consistent elements, heavy drive, big beats and stuff like that. But there was just a lot of digging in and learning more along the way. So um, yeah. excellent choice for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was along the same lines there with the, the grunge. Um, uh-huh. And it was, I was going to go with Pearl Jam, but um, I ended up with Smashing Pumpkins, Chair Brock. Uh, just love the song, but also it has that feel where calling out, you know, phony people, which I know all of you know that following the initial rush of the grunge, it became everybody was grunge and everybody wanted to sound like Eddie. And, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Creed and Paul and all these other bands, I don't know, but it was like, uh, the pumpkins were calling these people out, these phonies and angels with their wings glued on, so to speak. So right. that one spoke spoke to me most for the nineties. Such a good song. It is. And I I've always respected Billy for uh you know, he just kind of like did his own thing. He still does, but I mean never tried to change his voice, never really changed their sound in a way that he didn't want the direction to go and always did artistic videos and so Smashing Pumpkins had every bit of the right to define that time as a Pearl Jam or a Soundgarden or Nirvana. Yeah, for sure. I would say that for the wide variety or a, a large population, probably would be Nirvana. It smells like Team Spirit probably encapsulate the 90s for most people, I would think. True. True, yeah. I remember going to Lollapalooza late in the well, it was mid-90s, I think 96, 97, something like that. Ironically, Tool was the headliner. Fantastic. But uh, I spent a lot of time at second stage uh, just to kind of discover some artists I may have not been familiar with. And uh, I left for a while because a lot of the alternative bands that were playing were certainly very uh, copycat-ish, if you will. I know that's not a real word, but you know, there's a lot of mimicking, uh, just basic chord progressions. And I kind of felt like you know, at that time, there was just so much need to fill the desire to have alternative music. So labels were picking bands up just to kind of chew them up and spit them out. And they got picked up on the tour for second stage to kind of fill the time and that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, there, there was a, a lot of, 
and, and we're guilty of that today too. There's a lot of imitation in the art and that's goes across the board. I'm sure <clears throat> a lot of the classical composers we never heard of probably liked what Mozart did and did something Mozart like, but let's raise that note a pitch and make it my own or something, you know, but um, yeah. So there, there's a lot of saturation when, when something big breaks for sure. And, you know, that's why some of these groups that we, mentioned the pumpkins pearl jam Soundgarden, nirvana that's why they they rise to the top and you know they're, they're the shepherds among the flock if you will yeah that's true and it's interesting because that probably has been happening over the course of all time <laughs> yeah but, you know we lived in these times so it feels like we're witnessing it yeah um so we do have the 2000s i don't know if you guys know that or not but we're supposed to do 2000s Yes. We do know that. Two of us knew that. Anyway, um, <laughs> maybe perhaps we should go first to I allow a mention for 2000. So, damn you. That's right in. <laughs> Boom. He's always prepared. <laughs> <laughs> All right, JPP, what do you have for the 2000s? Well, you may not know this one, but I know T-Bags would, would know the artist. It's a song called Don't Think That We're One by Tim Exile off of his album, yes. The Listening Tree. And yep. That stood out to me because at that time I was wrapping up with my stint at Ball State University and I was in music production courses, music technology area, and really learning beyond the recording nature and getting into experimental composition, sound design, and uh, crazy programs that you could feed audio into and push buttons and move faders and make it alternate and change the form of it tim exile is like the king of that to me and that kind of epitomized my decade of the 2000s in a nutshell because i was really into apex twin hardcore really experimental glitch edm stuff like that and what i loved about tim is he wrote these tunes and they had a basic form but when he performs live it was him with a microphone and he had a rack full of gear with faders, his laptop, and some buttons to push. And he would grab stuff right there in the moment live. He'd, he'd make sounds with his mouth. He'd play a couple little sounds on a keyboard, and it would start looping. And then he could mangle it in real time. He'd go out in a crowd and have them yell something, and they became part of the song. And it was a real immersive experience. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, I was really engrossed with that. So. Um, that kind of changed my mindset on composing music. It was more than just playing chords on a guitar or, you know, tweaking a synth and stuff like that. It became, you know, how do you start bringing your environment into the music too? And, yeah. you know, nowadays I don't have the time and energy to sit and create modules in my computer or anything like that. But anytime I do hear something of that nature, I'm still drawn to it and very fascinated by it. Yeah. Oh, that's an excellent choice. And it's funny because I saw him with Imogen Heap in Atlanta and um, he handed out a bag of potato chips to the crowd and he just sampled them like either, you know, crumpling the bag or chewing on the potato chips. He made an entire song on the fly out of that. Nice. Imogen Heap was de debuting her gloves that she has that make, mm -hmm. you know, um, so it was a real like impromptu technologically advanced show it was very cool but tim exile and doesn't he make some software and stuff for music making yes i know he's partnered with native instruments in the past he may still be involved he may have his own thing going on but yeah he's 100 percent immersed in in that whole experience i almost picked imogen heap saw her live in chicago and wonderful wonderful experience and i absolutely loved her but 
you know, again, I think the biggest reason I didn't pick her is just because, um, you know, she wrote music and performed it and, and, you know, played that. And Tim actually, you know, let the moment be the music too. And, and, you know, that's not discounting her abilities whatsoever because she's, you know, held real high in my, my heart as well for, as a musician and as a vocalist, she has a wonderful voice. So, um, you know, love them both. It was just a tough pick. Yep. That's a good one. Steve, you got to listen to listening tree. So I will, um, I'll keep moving since we have a big review up and actually my 2000 is tool. So <laughs> it's actually the album that we're reviewing. Excellent. Title track from the album lateralis. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'll go into more about that later, but it's just, uh, it was not only like a, a moment of really loving music, but it was what music was supposed to be. I feel like I was changed by it and my mindset completely was after listening to that song several times. So we'll get into that later. Cool. Excellent. Nice choice. Thank you. All right. Um, I chose Hanson Mbop. Oh, crap. That wasn't 2000s. <laughs> Damn it. I don't know when it was. We'll have to ask Monday. <laughs> Actually, I'm just kidding. That was his right in this week. <laughs> it was his for every decade. <laughs> he's immersed um, <laughs> no mine you know what it's funny is i i chose this for a reason and then i was watching um the the country music awards were on tonight and i just it just sort of reiterated my feelings about all of this stuff i chose the heretic anthem um from slipknot because it just it there was like a timeline where all award shows and anything that I guess mainstream or whatever just kicked out any kind of alternative style music, any metal, any anybody we've talked about tonight pretty much kicked to the curb and everything now is so homogenized. Even the country music sounds like pop music and all the shows are just the same. So I love the idea that it starts off with I'm a pop star threat and I'm not dead yet. I love that. And then obviously the chorus isn't really a satanic chorus, but if you're five, 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 I'm six, six, six is saying (laughs) I am different than you and I won't be a part of your stuff. So, um, he's the industry killer. I love that. Um, and I love that somebody has just embraced that fact that they're no longer relevant in terms of popular media and popular scene, I guess. That's great. I actually had never heard it until you uh, gave it to me and I, I love that song. I can see yeah. where that's a good a defining one. Yep, that's cool. Yeah, that's a great choice. I've actually been listening to a lot of. Is, forgive me, is the song Duality? Yes, man, that's such a great tune. Love the little breakdown in it and stuff like that. There's an animal remix of that song where uh, somebody edited a bunch of animals doing their thing, and I've fits. seen it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The cat that's about ready to throw up. It's it's great, and they also used it with Rammstein as well with Du Hast, and it's man, belly hurts for days after watching that. So, um, no man, and it's funny because as we keep talking about our subjects and our favorite bands and stuff, I like Slipknot, you know, and I never listened to them a ton, but I've been digging in more as a result of hearing, you know, Foggy's perspective on it. So, thank you for that. It's really cool to kind of get some uh, fresh looks on on some groups that, you know, I, I enjoyed in passing, but never been, you know, completely uh, engrossed in. So, this has been fun for that alone. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's interesting because I uh, mentioned 
Kyle on the show last week, and uh, his son is a metalhead, so we bought tickets. He'll be going to see Slipknot with us. Well, Kyle, if you know him, he is not a metalhead <laughs> by any stretch. So every couple of days, I'm sending him a song just to sort of break him in slowly. So it's been pretty interesting. Been a good journey so far. He's enjoyed it. Cool. That's great. Speaking of Kyle, uh, real quick, um, he just got back yesterday, or he got back this morning from a show yesterday. He went down to Nashville to the Third Man Records 10th anniversary and saw Jack White and a bunch of bands from Third Man Records play. That's nothing to be jealous about. No, not at all. <laughs> I saw the live video. It was cool. It looked great. Yeah, yeah. So cool. So Sounds like that wraps up the weekly challenge. That was a fun one. Thank you for that, Foggy. Teabags, you're up for the challenge this week. What you got? Yes, okay. So uh, going back in time reminded me that we got a lot of our music from MTV or at least would stay up and watch 120 minutes or whatever we did. So I want three videos, but specifically one from your childhood, one of any choosing that however you want to choose one and one from uh, within the last three years, which means you might have to go digging and see if you find a video that you like. But um, I love the uh, being a video guy myself. I loved when people took time and we mentioned that with smashing pumpkins too, but took time to actually like use that as an art medium as well. Um, so anyway, I want to see kind of what we come up with with videos. That is cool. Now that that's going to be a fun one. Um, I think I've got them picked already, so I'll go ahead and no, I'm just kidding, but uh, no, that's good. <laughs> I think the last three years might be the more challenging one for sure, but I've got the first two. Yes. Hand down, yeah. hands down. It, so it's interesting because there's not like one place to really go get them other than like YouTube, mm. but yeah, um, some artists have completely abandoned them. But now that people can do video, basically with their phone and their laptop, mm -hmm. and production of special effects is easy. It's kind of interesting to see what people do in these later years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, not much budget required, so even better. Right. Exactly. Cool. Right. I'm down. You down, Foggy? I am good in the hood. Um, God, yeah. I just I'm thinking like last three years. And I don't, I don't typically sit and watch anything. I listen to everything while I'm on the go. So that's definitely right. going to be a challenge. Well, either way, challenge accepted. we're on it. We are on it. Perfect. All right. So that brings us to our review of the week. Cue that review music. Album review. I knew you had it. <laughs> this week. We are reviewing this little unknown band. We like to do that here. People never heard of this group. Little group called Tool. Mm -hmm. Album is Lateralis. Yes. So good. Um, never heard of them. So good. I think we're going to get big thumbs up here. We might get five out of fives, but um, <laughs> I think yeah. we'll round table it. We'll go by, uh, by song so everybody okay. gets a little taste of each one. And uh, anybody dying to jump in? Well, wait, before we start, can we, since this is probably going to be a little bit of a longer review, are, does anybody have anything specific to say about the instrumentals or can we just either agree? I mean, I, I love how they lead into the things, but um, do we want to review them as songs? Um, I don't need to. I I think they, they felt like nice pieces of like connective tissue mm -hmm. between them. I, I think it's great that Maynard used his cat <laughs> for a sound, you know, but um, I don't have much to say other than, than they just tied everything together nicely. 
I'm fully loaded, so let's do this thing. You start it, Stevie. All right. I liked it. Tony? No, I'm just kidding. All right. So um, what's interesting is, you know, when I first jumped back in, we talked a few weeks ago about that first album, the first song hitter, like the one that just slams you into that album. Uh-huh. And um, The Grudge, I don't feel like it, it fulfills that, but it walks you nicely into a tool record that you cannot mistake that guitar work and that sound. It's just, it's tool through and through. Um, for me, when I, when I do tool, um, I want to look at the lyrics more than anything else, probably. And, Mm -hmm. um, this one, as far as the album goes to me, seems like it's maybe the most straightforward. I think the message there is obviously not giving, not holding the grudge or the one who pays when you hold the grudge. Um, but the lyrics towards the end um, about giving away the stone, let the waters kiss and transmute those leaden grudges into gold. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, the lyrics are just amazing there. So this one, what it lacks a little bit in some of that, um, you know, a lot of tool songs, you could probably analyze it in a million different ways and interpret it in a million different ways. This one seems like the most straightforward to me. Still amazing. Yeah. That's great. I, I want to go last on these, just so okay. Can... Yeah, no, that's fine. Totally, <clears throat> I I get it. Um, it, no, it you have to give yourself a lot of time to review this and and listen to it for sure. And and guilty this week that, you know, it was ingested a lot of it in passing. But, um, you know, the the things that stuck out, especially like with the grudges how cyclical and dynamic the tune is. You know, the bass has a, you know, kind of a polyrhythm thing going on with with the drums and um, you know, the bass is really prevalent in the tune and, and really drives it and the fact that you know the not only you know I'm, I'm coming from this angle of course on just like the the timbres and textures of the the songs and um, you know I'll let you guys kind of dig deep on the concepts and the uh, you know interminglings of of song by song and that kind of thing and, and with lyrics but uh, you know the the thing that's great about you know, like this song and the album as a whole is just the journey certainly plays with volume. It plays with, um, you know, rhythms kind of compounding on top of each other as well as simplicity. Meaning, you know, like while as a musician, like the riff might be kind of easy to play, like you get it by itself. But then when you start putting Danny Carey on top of it, doing what his thing, then all of a sudden you have to kind of rethink how you're counting it a little bit because, you know, his cycle works with it. But at the same time, it's like you, you bob your head a little differently based off of the accents and the feel. So I felt like the grudge really kicked off that, that movement and they kept that momentum going from, from that point forward. Yeah, that's true. And then, uh, Interesting you talk about cycles because uh, they mentioned Saturn a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to get too into all of these. Uh, I'm just going to skim over some of these deeper concepts because I'm, I plan on writing a piece on this. But um, Saturn um, has like a pretty predictable pattern in the sky and it, uh, supposedly, you know, gets to the same place every 30 years. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's some like um, – and, and it's a – it's the planet in astrology of karma and promotes discipline. So you're supposed to also like, there's supposed to be like three cycles in your life from zero to 30 and then 30 to 60 and 60 and beyond. And hopefully you've like grown and changed in those cycles. Mm-hmm. So, um, and 
I, I, well, first, another thing too is this song has one of the greatest screams in rock and roll. I think yeah. it's thirty some seconds long or something, uh, and he and it's truly him doing that. Um, and then it throws in. I know it's simple, and I agree with Steve that the concept is simple, but like all of the things, uh, like when he says choose one or ten, you know, that's a lot of that in the whole tool community is thinking about the like tarot cards and um, different things where one is like a beginning from birth and 10 is a beginning where you end, end a cycle and a new one starts mm -hmm. kind of beginning. Um, but ironically, I chose the same lines Steve did give away the stone, let the oceans take and transmutate this cold and faded anchor, uh, give away the stone, let the waters kiss and transmutate these leaden grudges into gold. I love the the idea of the anchor because that is what like keeps you from moving on. You know, mm -hmm. it's heavy and clunky and all that. Um, and then the whole, like, the, they talk a lot about alchemy and stuff like that. You know, that something bad can be changed, you know. But yeah. In this case, you got to let it go so that it can go through that metamorphosis. So, man, that's that's <laughs> that's as fast as I can get through something that had a lot of deep concepts. But I love this song, and I love how it um, comes, like, pounding in at, at the first time you hear all the crash in. Yeah. And Saturn is sad. That's where we get Saturnine. So maybe oh, really? the tie okay. in there too. Yes. Um, so I'm guessing we're all giving that three big thumbs up. Absolutely. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. And that leads us to, we're going to skip Eon Blue, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so man. we're going to the patient. That is correct. Um, okay. So for me, it felt like a natural progression um, on the album. Um, I look at, it's like, I don't know, staying on track, doing the right things in order to achieve success. So if we drop the anchor, so to speak, um, then we, then we can do that. And I feel like we are a work in progress We're and we are the patient, I guess. And so as the album moves forward, I think that's a natural s step in the process. Um, and I think it leads all the way into schism and rabble and all that too so mm -hmm. i love this song yeah I'm, yeah I'm, I, I'm biting my tongue no yo you're good i mean like basically it's polyrhythmic uh i wrote that it's like a jam you know i feel like they just kind of really jammed and vamped on it but um probably more so in the writing process and everything's deliberate and you can definitely hear that with with the writing nature of tool as a whole the thing i really like is <clears throat> with <clears throat> pardon me sorry with adam jones's guitar playing a lot of times he's playing single note stuff you know and the power chords are intentional to really just you know hit you in the face and bring uh the the impact that you need at those key times but you know the, there's just a groove that dun, 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 that kind of thing and again it's a simple riff if you're playing it by yourself but then you start adding other things on top of it the way maynard sings on top of it the way the drums are playing behind it then all of a sudden it starts really opening up this this cerebral world for lack of a better way to describe it it's you know really gets your mind stimulated and i think that's what excites me about this song in particular it starts to really open up that mystery and intrigue in a lot of ways because it's you know it, just the way that it evolves and and progresses you find yourself going where, where could this go what, what's it going to end on and uh, you're not disappointed to say the least right yeah those are all both of you guys have great <laughs> things to say about that. I mean, um, 
one thing I like about Maynard, what, how he writes too, is a lot of times things have no meaning. So the mm -hmm. pa the patient could be, you know, a you know a group of people or, uh, that have mastered the virtue of patience. You know, mm -hmm. so th these are the patient. You know, right. Uh, or it could be someone who is sick, and I put that quote unquote uh, sick who drains you. So you know, um, but I love the idea that. Uh, how he writes with like you know a groan of tedium escapes me i mean just the words he chooses are awesome and but i pick out of there the best lines for me were um if there were no rewards to reap no loving embrace to see me through this tedious path i've chosen here i certainly would have walked away by now and i still may and he says that kind of quiet at the end or after that which i think implies that we still have choice even when we've committed you know, which goes mm -hmm. back to the grudge, like Steve said, things kind of like progress here that, um, you know, you still have the choice to let things go if you need to. So uh, that's it. Philosophical, you know, and <laughs> it's funny because, you know, I, I take my perspective on it from the, you know, rhythmic nature and the performance aspect of it. And, um, you know, that's where I'm saying that, you know, you need to take a lot more time than just the album's length to, to, uh, you know, dig in and, and really see what's going on and unfold it. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I'm kind of feeling like the, the layman in some aspects where it's just like, yeah, it's a good groove. I like the guitar tone and that's uh, that. <laughs> no, I feel I like can't, I can't tell you like technically that. why I love anything. <laughs> I just <laughs> like it, you know? And as much as I get into the lyrics of the vocals, I feel lame in the sense that these are all very accomplished musicians and you can't, you can't just say that Maynard's writing or Maynard's singing makes it because the drumming is phenomenal. The bass is always present. The guitar work is crazy. Mm -hmm. So I, I like that we're kind of all filling in from a different angle here. No, for sure. For sure. You know, it's like, like uh, Steve just said, you know, I don't, I can't tell you why I love it. It's a real toe tapper. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Steve was dancing to it. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know me. <laughs> That's true. <clears throat> all right, Stevie schism. All right. Mantra. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, schism. Okay. So I'm not going to, obviously there's got to be a, it's touching on religion in a way, at least what we know of schism, it has to be touched on in some way, but um, I kind of looked at it more from the relationship perspective. I know the pieces fit. There's something there, right? Something we need to work on um, talks about communication um, stopping the blaming. Um, I like that it said the poetry that comes from the squaring off between and the circling is worth it finding beauty in the dissonance. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like that's the crux of the song and I may be misreading it, but it seems like, you know, what draws us together in the beginning may eventually drive a wedge between. And so we need to find that communication. We need to make the relationship grow to a new level and create a new temple. Um, kind of going back full circle back to the religious kind of theme of that with schism. Um, obviously it's a brilliant song musically, lyrically. Uh, I love it. So yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> this one I heard quite a bit. It was on radio you know, back at that time and um, notable baseline for sure. I love the way that the guitar harmony kicks in with it too. And, and you know, plays that same line, but a fifth higher and just really, fills it out into a different degree and the the opening lyrics again just um it's like ooh you know what's what's happening uh foggy drove it home there and said it best for sure but <clears throat> excuse me 
I'm a, I'm a four, four guy when it comes to writing because it's easy and it's symmetrical and natural to me. And every once in a while I try to break out of that mold and, and do something different. And um, it is a challenge for me, but I will say that I think that this song may be in six, eight in that particular portion of it. I'd have to listen and, and really kind of count. And, and I didn't want to look it up online and cheat, but I was just trying to really get my brain to wrap my head around that that full measure and where it started and ended. So um, I know a perfect circle writes a lot in six, eight. Um, I think tool likes to toy around with all sorts of values and probably does so with, uh, you know, the intent of sequences that kind of tie into natural elements, maybe Fibonacci or whatever the case may be. So, um, but no, that's, it's, uh, this is one of the standout tracks on the album for sure, just from the, um, cycle aspect as well as this the the dynamic nature again you know I say that a lot but you know this one really um, paints a, a big picture for the uh, kind of the embodiment uh, embodiment of this album yeah true uh, <clears throat> I think rhythmically and lyrically um, and just side note because I did look it up and cheat they they changed time signatures 47 times in that song okay yeah so, that, that makes what, sense i don't know which all of them are but um, <laughs> which you know this is where tool gets into like their writing is really deep even from a perspective of we're talking about dissonance here you know mm-hmm. got all these polyrhythms and different time signatures and it comes together to make a song and yep. so uh and another uh, it's funny you brought that line up steve because finding beauty in the dissonance if you notice um there's a pause right after that everything drops out and then a drum hit, and then it goes back into the song. But it's almost like they give us one small glimpse of peace, like where everything, finding beauty in the dissonance, and then everything stops, and you get quiet and peace for just a second. You know, <clears throat> I may be reading into that a little bit, but, um, and then all that communication that you talked about, you know, leads into my favorite lines, which is, uh, which are cold silence has a tendency to atrophy any sense of compassion, which that does start happening after you stop communicating. Um, but the other thing that's interesting to me is it does go back and forth to me between a relationship or something a spiritual or church based. And if you listen, I want you guys to go back and listen if you, if you haven't already caught this, but he, when he says between supposed lovers and they keep repeating that he's, mm-hmm. he's alternating and saying brothers in there too. Right. And so, yeah, if you look at it from a relationship standpoint, it's lovers. If you're looking at it from a religious standpoint, it's brothers. So I think that that's a kind of little bit of a nod to it being able to be taken both ways. Yeah. Very that's cool. cool. Yeah. I love it. So is anybody hating anything on anything so far? Oh no. <laughs> exactly. His cat sucked. He couldn't sing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, are we doing uh parable and parabola together? I think so. Yeah. I like I, it as one song personally. Me too. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, this is my, it's my favorite musically on the album because of the, uh, the buildup. And then when it hits in parabola, so good. I just, I don't know. That sound just kills it for me. I love it. Um, and I really need to uh, call on the famous Yoda for this one. <laughs> Luminous beings. Are we not this crude matter? That's what I think of when I hear this song. Um, this body, this body holding me, you know, mm-hmm. remember we're eternal. All this pain is an illusion. Um, I, I think that's for me, that's the whole thing right there. I mean, in this journey that we're talking about from the beginning of the album until this, um, it is a spiritual journey. It's about 
what's going on on the inside. It's not necessarily the body. And this song really brings that home. Yeah, that's true. That's that. Uh, anyway, I love that you brought Yoda into this. <laughs> and it's it actually worked really, really well. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I I love the way the parable opens, where it's just kind of a nice drone, and they're just kind of letting that ring for a while, and then it kicks in, and uh, <clears throat> then when it kicks into parabola, just that fuzz and droney tone there too. It's almost like it becomes uh, a yin and yang of that opening for each tune. You know what I mean? So, uh, of course the parabola is more intensified, but he definitely still plays on that same note and just kind of embellishes on it a little bit. But Danny Carey's Tom work, the recording just uh, from somebody who enjoys high quality recording, the oh, toms yeah. sound beautiful. Every one of them rings in their own way. And it's just, each of them have a thud to them that you can kind of feel as well. And, you know, so like when it's a breakdown and then it kicks into the, you know, the, the bigger moments as well. And, you know, it's like, everybody's just on point, of course. I mean, that's dual, but it's just, it feels kind of anthem like in its own right, you know, especially yeah. as, you know, Maynard holds that note and the guitar just, you know, really drives it home. So, um, yeah, I, I'm going to have to, do you still have my copy of the CD from college or did, did you lose that one too? Um, <laughs> Cause I, you know, I have to listen to it on YouTube and uh, I'm going to have to go out and get a physical copy and just keep it in the car for a while and listen to it on my trips and stuff. I'll send you one. <laughs> uh, I owe you one. No uh, worries. You no, know, that's uh, notably the music. Uh, that's funny because I don't, not that I don't pay attention to it so much, but everything is so clean. There's so much going on here with all these different types of music. Um, almost like Middle Eastern and different things throughout the album. Mm -hmm. but it is interesting how like well recorded everything is. Later on, you hear every little hit on the drum, and yeah, but, uh, I'll leave that stuff to you. I'm just mm -hmm. back listening to it on headphones. I want to I want to add one thing. I forgot one of my notes was one of my favorite parts of this whole album is actually the last riff uh, before it kicks into ticks and leeches. That real fuzzy. That, that's yeah. just man you know it's like i could sit there and play that on a guitar for like three hours and be happy uh, you know <laughs> the, the challenge would be just get that fuzz tone just right but it's just huge you know and it's just like yeah you know, that that's that's what you know gives me goosebumps when i listen to tool it goes from that nice you know kind of a dynamic kind of playing with uh you know low volume and all that stuff that it hits you in the face and then they do something like that and it's just like okay that's the payout right there so yeah. absolutely I agree. I listen to the song as a pair because it feels like a journey to me, how it borrows lyrics um, and shows you a lot of that. Uh, they can be translated two different ways. Um, I like in parable um, where he says, so wide eyed and hopeful, wide eyed and hopefully wild. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a real theme about being able to accept things that are random and things that happen. Um, also, when he says this body holding me, be my, my reminder here that I am not alone, that too can translate between lovers, you know, like this physical body, somebody else that's holding you, um, all the way to the spiritual level of your energy being, you know, whatever the shell is that we have. For sure. Um, and then uh, uh, Parabola, um, I love when he says twirling around with this familiar parable. And he spells it as like the biblical like story type thing, even though that's kind of a nod to the track before spinning, weaving around each new experience, recognize this as a holy gift and celebrate this chance to be alive and breathing. And uh, 
that's to me that's when i say that like tool this album especially kind of changed me um we overlook that a lot of times i think just like what a gift it is just to be here i mean right now me all of us, you and i and steve talking and yeah people listening and whatever the case may be but the moment that you're here experiencing it um you know it is a holy gift in my opinion so uh, i just love the whole track i love the music too and i do love how yeah it's funny how you you change with the music you know how influential that the music can be because i'm full of energy i'm full of energy by the time the song ends but it started off with like real chill so yeah yeah no no that drives it home and you're right i mean the, the synchronicity and you know not to be one of those guys that puts gary v in his podcast but one of his things that he drives home is the odds of being alive is like 400 trillion to one you're here you know and we're all in in this together and you know it's just it's cool i'm i'm happy to be alive to be able to listen to some really kick-ass tunes and and enjoy dist- distorted guitar so that's where that's where i'm at in my life <laughs> cool yep. yeah i like that spinning around kind of that theme kicks in later with spiraling spiraling the body which uh, yes mm-hmm. in lateralis so okay so we had ticks and leeches yep yes sir okay my least favorite song musically on the album <laughs> it uh definitely is in context with the other songs as we're on this journey to improve, to be better, um, to make these profound changes in our life. You know, this is the part, this is what stands in your way. It's the ticks and leeches of your life, um, whatever they might be, a bad boss, bad friend, whatever. Um, those things keep you from achieving what you want. So I'm sure it's a great song. Tony will tell me why it's a great song in a moment, but uh, it's definitely my least favorite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Paul, this, are you wrong too, or do you like it? Oh no, I do like it. And what I what I noticed about this song versus others, I mean, they're they're a well oiled machine. But this song was especially tight to me in that there's a lot of rhythmic unison, especially like with the the riff. You can hear Danny Carey playing like the ride cymbal in unison with it, so he's actually, uh, you know, kind of keeping that mode of going there too. So it's like a, a bigger picture with that particular progression of accents and just the count as a whole um it's more of a lo-fi fuzz guitar if you will so uh, maybe that's a, a part of it too it may kind of sound a, a little more garage like in that regard but it's certainly intentional um i think adam jones plays less pauls if i'm not mistaken so the fact that you can make that thing do a lot of different things with the different uh, pedals and effects and amps and that sort of stuff. It certainly, uh, you know, allows you to, to use it as one big paintbrush with a lot of different stroke styles, if you will. So, um, yeah, I, I, I dig the tune. I think it, it does stand out from the other ones as far as like the, the heaviness is a different type of heavy, but you know, it's still, it, it, it's a good moment in the album and in, in the album to me. Yeah. I mean, I think we were due for something heavy that was more pointed. I mean, that's tool, you know, like you go back an album to like hooker with a penis and that's, you know, very much like <laughs> pointing the finger at somebody and uh, pretty much all of undertow has some of that going on. So mm-hmm. I think maybe it was like uh, obligatory to put something on there, but the reason I do think it actually fits and I actually, and I like it is because it is a human emotion too. I think a lot of this has to deal with all of the emotions we deal with and, anger you know and all Mm -hmm. that kind of goes along with it but the reason i think it's kind of brilliant is he says like working up under my patience like a little tick 
and I feel like he is going back to the patient who is sucking his blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, because, you know, he was trying to keep that relationship going at this point, I feel like at this point in the album, now he's ready to cut ties with that and, uh, you know, just take all you want and then go, you know, but I hope you choke on it because it was somebody, something that was trying to pull him down or hold him back. So I think he's, I think he's talking about actually whoever it was or whatever it was that was in the patient. Okay. Gotcha. And then he shout like suck me dry or something in one point in the song too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it, something parasitic either way. Yep. So nice. lateralis. Oh man. Yep. This song sucks. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> just, just kidding. Um, okay. So this one, I kind of felt like it brought everything into focus, talked about the difficulties of navigating through life, um, black, then white in infancy. It's very simple. Red and yellow add new context, add layers um, to your existence. Um, and it, it's that kind of that go with the flow, you know, you feed my will to feel this moment, urging me to cross the line, reaching out to embrace the random um, and I liked the, you know, going back to the spinning that you talked about a minute ago, spiral the body and the mind so that, you know, we can reach enlightenment, we can reach this point or whatever it is that we're going for together when both parts are working together. Uh-huh. So that's kind of how I read that one. That's, yeah. Um, go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. <laughs> uh, Steve, I want to comment on everything you say. It's like spot on and great, but I don't want to drag us down too far. So <laughs> I'll wait fine. my turn. You know, this this song kind of gave me more of a sentimental journey in that uh, I like that opening intro. It's real clean and just kind of calm. And then um, the the main groove kicks in in a bit. And it's, you know, certainly not a straight ahead groove, but it's got, you know, a lot of little shifts and jumps that certainly makes you bob your head, but you can't symmetrically do it. Right. But this song just reminds me of an old friend of mine who has since moved on, uh, Harvey Hevner. He passed away mm-hmm. in 2011, but um, he was a guy that I would go in and, you know, I never had to buy anything. Like I'd go look at the UCDs, but we would sit there and talk shop about music and he'd always have a guitar behind the counter and he'd bust it out and start playing some stuff. But the song was always playing uh, when I'd go in, you know, around 2002, 2003 in that, that time frame, And, um, and just really, you know, kind of reminded me of just that impact he had on my life as a musician. He really taught me about atonal music and kind of playing pitches that aren't necessarily in the scale, but you do it with conviction and with meaning and you can pull it off and uh, that kind of stuff. So just the, the fact that, you know, he was a guy that, personified a certain style of music to me this song personified um kind of him and his ambience and that he was uh always looking for something deeper than just you know a guitar driven groove he always loved getting real cerebral with music and and even you know playing on top of it and trying little things and what he did would work it was always fun so um you know i'm not talking much about the tune but you know that tune still has a sentimental impact on me and and it was i was happy to be able to think about those good times with him for sure yeah He's missed in this town for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He was kind of a controversial figure, I'm sure. But, you know, the, the Harvey I knew was always really inspirational and always quick to chat music. And, you know, he 
didn't turn down jamming with me ever. Here I was this young kid that didn't know squat and he still wasn't afraid to, you know, kind of show me some stuff and as well as let me be myself and, you know, have fun on top of it, you know, like he could jam on top of it and not, not be like bored or anything. So. Right. Huh. Well, I'll try to jump in on this. This is like my favorite track This defined the two thousands for me. So, mm-hmm. uh, but like Steve brought up that whole black and white or a red and yellow. That's uh, and I had to do some research on this way back in the day, trying to figure out what everything meant, but that's actually ha- the development of vision that we have as we, as we grow, like that's what you see first red and then yellow as far as colors, mm-hmm. uh, which I think the whole idea of the development of vision is pretty profound in this song uh, on a metaphorical level, even um, uh, the lyrics at the beginning are written on the Fibonacci sequence. So the syllables, you know, go up and down uh, a little bit of the Fibonacci sequence. Aha. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> then uh, that whole as below, so above, um, he kind of twists that, that like hermeticism was like as above, so below. And that was kind of based on the fact that um, within a microcosm and a macrocosm, they're the same thing through understanding. It's like to, to get to one thing. And I, and I throw back to some of the songs on there when I talk about like this body holding me, you know, that's like on a small level intimacy between two people and then the whole big idea between this body holding me you know mm-hmm. um you know on a universal level so i mean that's just even part way into the song and then you've got like uh steve is it young or jung or jung or young carl young carl young yeah uh like i don't know if you've read anything on his synchronicity but that was and someone mentioned i think paul mentioned that that word but it was basically the idea that um things can happen in, you know, at a certain place in time, not necessarily to go back and go through all the causes of it, but what the meaning of it is. And so he was like pioneering. He actually, I think coined the term synchronicity, but um, so all of that leads into the idea that there's so much stuff about here about, you know, being able to embrace the random and the whole overthinking, overanalyzing separates the body from the mind, you know? Um, But the best lines to me were, um, Overthinking, overanalyzing separates the body from the mind, withering my intuition, leaving opportunities behind. Feed my will to feel this moment, urging me to cross a line, reaching out to embrace the random, reaching out to embrace whatever may come. And that to me is like uh, just art, everything. It's life in general. You know, you, you can't predict what you're going to, even in a relationship, you know, you can't try to have that conversation in your head before it happens. You know, you got to be ready to just flow with it. Right. Um, and accept the fact that that you know, something may come out of left field that actually changes everything for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, I don't know. I mean, there's just something. I feel like I'm talking a long time, but I feel like I could talk 20 minutes on this song alone. But um, I love it. This is one of my favorite songs of all time. So I'll just leave it th- at that. No, that's that's a deep and it's that's humanity and it's core. You know, we mm-hmm. as we go through our journey and we have a conflict or you know, something that we have to, you know, come up against and we kind of have a mindset in front of us, but we forget to go with the flow. That certainly drives that home for sure. Yeah. And I, uh, and real quick, I know that um, when it goes into those guitar parts and it's like with my feet on the ground, I feel it, you know, all of those different lines that happen right on the, those beats, like that's so powerful to me when I listen to it, that by the end of that song, I feel like I can conquer the world. And that is a song, a go-to song for me when I feel like 
I'm iffy on a lot of things. I actually just go and listen to this song because it kind of like puts everything back into perspective for me and gives me an energy. Nice. That's awesome. awesome. That is yeah. awesome. Okay. That brings us to disposition. Um, I do not have a lot on this one. Um, didn't affect me as much as the other ones did. Um, I assume it has something to do with um, the way we handle things, our mind, um, our character, maybe. I don't know. But um, I, I, I kind of got it as, you know, reaching out, making a change, you know, like kind of like the weather in Indiana. We know all about change in the weather. So uh, <laughs> perhaps it can be as easy as the changing of the weather. I don't know. I, I, I just didn't have a real great feel for this one. I, uh, yeah, I think it was after having some heavy hitting impact through the album, this, this certainly kind of changed the disposition a little bit. Um, the, the clean guitar, the, the rhythmic kind of, kind of a free flow for lack of a better way to, to, uh, you know, kind of call it anything. But what I'm trying to say is the guitar is, simplistic it's a lot of delay and some bends here and there so there's some motives going on but it's not overly elaborate you know what i mean it kind of feels like there's there's some freedom and they're just kind of expressing with it of course everything's calculated they they probably practice it for you know 16 hours a day just to be able to get it intentionally the way they wanted it to be as they tend to do um <clears throat> new album any minute now please guys but um <laughs> you know but uh, as far as as opposed to the rest of the album, it certainly seems to be the one that's most kind of free and, and not really improvisatory, but it kind of lends to that type of feel where, you know, they're just kind of in the room and, and just jamming away a little bit. Yep. I don't, I don't have a ton to say on this one either, actually, but uh, I just felt like um, when you say mention this to me, mention something, mention anything, watch the weather change. I feel like that can be, you know, if someone is craving like words of love, you know, you can see them change with that. If someone, if you're having a great day and someone mentions something you didn't want to be reminded of, you, you know, might be in a bad mood or whatever. I just feel like that um, some of that vocalization from a second or from a different person can change your perspective a little bit too. That could be for the good or the bad. So I think it's pretty cryptic, pretty, but also I feel like it's just a something that's supposed to lead into reflection too. So yeah i get that cool um now reflection i loved um i love the native american element to it um especially in that opening music and something that i and maybe i'm reading into this i have no idea but it just kind of dawned on me there was a lot of focus on the moon and um his vocals were up and down it was like they were waxing and waning like the moon uh, which I don't know if that's intentional or whatever, but it kind of grabbed me that way. Um, I did love the message uh, about dropping the ego. Um, we will find that we are all one mind. Um, and the moon, of course, is egoless. It, it is dependent on the sun for us to see it, for the light reflecting off of it. And right. I kind of thought we're the same way. You know, let that light touch you. Um, drop your ego um, and it will find you. And I, I don't know. Really like that song. Yeah, yeah totally. I, I agree too. And one of the things that really stood out to me with the, those drums is kind of that talking drum, the way it boom, kind of pitch shifts and stuff. And um, the bass 
has a great tone throughout the album, but in particular on this one, it stands out with a certain kind of a brightness, a bite, if you will, which I thought was really cool. And it, I just kind of feel like it really just drove the tune and kept that pulse going, that pace. And, I, you know, I could be wrong in my listening. Is, was this the first time I heard synth in, in this album or did they have it sprinkled elsewhere that maybe I just didn't catch, but um, it's real dominant in this song either way. And um, it certainly is really cool because it just kind of creates a nice little um, tone in the background while the bass kind of takes the forefront and plays the uh, kind of the driving melody as well as the the groove at the same time. Um, yeah, I see this is where technical um technical things like that like for me i don't know that i heard synth mm -hmm. i thought i was hearing are you, you're not talking about like the middle eastern type guitar sound is that well is that some of it has kind of a wow it sounds more synthetic to, than it does like a guitar with a filter of any sort but yeah. i could I'm, i could be wrong no, i'm sure you're right my ears aren't trained for that but mm -hmm. yeah that's that would be really interesting i don't think they're opposed to using any mm -hmm. really so I'll have to go back and listen for that. Um, this song for me, like uh, ties with lateralis as far as like life changing for me. And um, the, I've got that tattoo that's on my back is based off of this and 4062. But, um, and I have part of the tattoo, I won't go into all of that, but it has the moon phases that they all culminate into a, moon that's completely covered up over one of the roman numeral eyes and that was to me when i drew that up to be like at the end of the progression reading left to right you know the personal pronoun i should have no brightness because it's not me it's not my light you know and so that's part of my thing because i love that whole crucify the ego um as well but uh, and i've said this before in my darkest moment feed on weeping the moon tells me a secret my confidant as full and bright as i am this light is not my own a million light reflections pass over me its source is bright and endless she resuscitates the hopeless without her we are lifeless satellites drifting and that really like embodies like steve said um the moon needs we need the moon to see the reflection of the light you know but mm -hmm. it takes all parties it takes the source of light it takes the the, the reflection of it it takes the receiver I feel like art is that way and that's why it's really important to me um and i also feel like that it's this mo this whole song and the moments and how it ends that we are all one mind uh just kind of hammers home that this is the most spiritual album tool has in my opinion probably the most mature album as far as inward looking and uh ironically you know reflection is all about that so yeah uh, I, yeah this is probably i mean if lateralis didn't leave me with such a like mood to go change the world this one leaves me with the uh, to go change within myself you know mm -hmm. very cool no and that's yeah. again that's awesome to kind of have this conversation because your perspective and what you gravitate to is obviously different than me but at the end of the day we're both catching something that appeals to us and now i can listen to it with kind of a deeper um you know, interest and intent to kind of hear the words and the meaning um, on a different level instead of just being face value as I'm analyzing, oh, I love that guitar tone. I wonder what pedal that is. Yeah. Well, you know, they've, they've left us enough years to like listen to all of their catalog yeah. over and over and over again because there's nothing new yet. But yeah, hopefully that changes this summer. One can hope, please. Yes. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. I think that's about it. I mean, unless you guys want to cover the one that's got the Area 51 sample stuff. No, I, I didn't dig it at all. <laughs> I, I'm sure it closed out the concept, but um, yeah. musically, listening to it, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Tool tends to do that a lot. Yeah. Like you kind of end in a weird spot with something. Um, it's just kind of a reminder that, you know, they don't follow the uh, the pop formula. You know, they're kind of the antithesis. Uh, man, I cannot talk tonight. It is the antithesis of your standard, um, you know, pop formula. You don't want to end with a hook and a bang and, you know, get the bubblegum rappers going and all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but no, it, it's sonic art for them across the board. And, and I think that, you know, they're they've created this big painting and this big imagery. And then you just want to end it in a way that, you know, kind of leaves you wondering, I guess, because let's face it, you know, after lateralis, what, 10,000 days. And then, you know, we're, we're left hanging on that one for as long as we are. And now we're going to wonder what this journey is going to be like and how they're going to end that one. And then do I, do I, you know, cash out my 401k before the next album after that? I don't know. Stick around, folks. We'll find out. I know. I, when I was reading about new the new album and stuff, it, they were saying, or somebody said somewhere online, and I agree with this, that 10,000 Days has a more like social commentary to it, just mm-hmm. kind of be it and stuff. And so I think Lateral stands out to me just because it is so inward looking at changing yourself, you know, through and through. And I think it does. Yeah, we talk about concept albums and stuff. This has a pretty good theme. I mean, it may not have a story, but I feel like it's an evolution of change for an individual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think every song sort of fed into the next one. I mean, mm-hmm. if that that's essentially what a concept is. I mean, so. Yeah, it has that connectedness to it. So. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, uh, should we give it a number rating and will we listen to it again? <laughs> I'm done. Garbage. Yeah. Yeah. This one was a dud. No, (laughs) I really don't know what number to put on it because it's such with albums in the past, if it's something that it's, you know, it was in my collection, (laughs) but uh, you know, I can, I could listen to it again and again and and be happy with it. It's certainly, you know, in the high fours, if not a five and, and that sort of thing. But um, you know, nonetheless, I think that, with tool you get more than just the album you get kind of the package the story and i mean you look at anima and how that cd was packaged and released and then you look at Ten Thousand days even and lateralis since i had the cd briefly um if i remember correctly didn't it have like multiple layers like you could oh, clear film and stuff like that you could kind of uh, uh, like peel it open and dig yeah, into it layers like a, it was like a biology textbook where you had like the acetate so you Peel back the skin, see the muscle, peel back the muscles. See the, yeah. That's right. Yeah, it was cool. I have two of them. You should see it sometime. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, you should check out Tony's ass tate. <laughs> below his tea bags. Yeah. So anyway, let's <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. So actually, um, next week we have uh Paul, you've got the review for next week, right? Yeah, I believe so. What what's the what is that Friday? What's the date? Next Friday is the twelfth. Twelfth, okay. No, is that right? No, it's thirteenth. Sorry, thirteenth. Thirteenth. Okay, gotcha. Well, I have one for the nineteenth for sure. So I'll uh, stick oh. around, folks. We'll we'll look look for the thirteenth. 
So next week is surprise review. That's right. That's right. Stay tuned. I, think, I think somewhere we need to sprinkle in where you guys suggest one of your favorite albums of all time. Because this was a blast for me, but it was really hard for me because I wanted to talk about it for six hours. But I'd love to review one of you guys' favorite albums. Okay. Maybe, uh, maybe next week Metalhead could come back and we could do um, Backstreet Boys. Oh, man. Yes. There we go. That's how we get our listeners. I was waiting for him to write in Partridge Family for the 70s, but it <laughs> didn't happen. Dang it. Dang it. <laughs> I'm picturing a metalhead in bell bottoms. I'm not. I'm, I will in my nightmares now. Thanks, man. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a Photoshop thing. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with Monday in Photoshop. So. <laughs> um. All right, you well, want to go around and say what we're listening to? Yeah, yeah let's. Um, we've been yammering on long enough. Let's close her out. Tea bags. What are you listening to this week? Um, I've got three songs. I'm pretty stuck on. Uh, one is called "Pain" by uh, Boy Harsher. Uh, one is called "Alibi" by I think it's called Mansion Air. And then definitely, definitely, if you're gonna listen to one of the three songs I'm listening to, listen to "Bury a Friend" by Billy Eilish. It's so good interesting is it is it folky or is it heavy uh it's a little bit like uh light but dark electronic oh okay <laughs> interesting yeah that's cool I, I didn't see it going that direction but i'll be sure to bury a friend this weekend um, that's <laughs> awesome um me uh, i've been listening to a band called it Altitudes and Attitude. It's Frank Bello and David Ellison from Anthrax and Megadeth, respectively. Metalhead Monday and I took a trip up to Fort Wayne, Indiana, to see uh, them perform at Sweetwater Sound, which is a nice music retailer slash performance hall slash cafeteria. It's a big compound, wonderful retail space, and lots of amenities for customers and employees alike. So um, we got to sit in their amphitheater, which, you know, I love that venue. It's great. It's comfortable and everything sounds good. But it's always a little weird to me to watch a rock show while sitting down. You know, you're always wanting to stand up and that kind of thing and kind of be part of that energy. But it was cool. It was a short set. They did a little Q&A afterwards and they did a meet and greet. Um, got a CD and, and got to say hi to everybody. And they had Bumblefoot, who had performed with GNR back in the day on lead guitar. He had his double neck. One was fretless. The other one was a standard uh, neck on there. and killed it just completely floored me he was really awesome to talk to after the show too all of them were very nice and kind and definitely thank them for their time so that cd's been on rotation it's different than anthrax and megadeth it's certainly has kind of a more upbeat feel but they were touring and doing clinics and decided they wanted to write some material for the clinics and they ended up recording it and creating a band out of it so cool awesome i listened to a dandy little song over the week I uh, was speaking with Marianne about the challenge. And so she said her song from the seventies and it was hers and uh, your sister, Amory's run Joey run. <laughs> oh Lord. Is it awful? We listened to it together. Yeah. Um, you got to do yourself a favor and check that one out. Okay. It's, a, it's a beast. <laughs> so, uh, and I, other than that, I listened to a lot of tool this week preparing for this because you got to listen a number of times to get, really get the gist of those lyrics. Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, sure. I listened to a handful of podcasts. 
including mm-hmm. Word Balloon. All of you nerdy comic people out there, people like books, got to listen to Word Balloon. So good. Sweet. And that's about a wrap. Nice. Okay. And uh, last week, the review, um, uh, we got uh, some information that there's going to be some remixes coming from that album. Yes. yes. Yeah. For so, Chaos. Uh, looking forward to that. Did you guys watch that video he sent, by the way? Yeah, that was yes. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the listeners, we, we actually got direct feedback from Michael from beauty and chaos and he really appreciated the episode and, and uh, we appreciate him reaching out. So, you know, it's amazing. He probably has a Google search tag that gives him a notification when something comes up. So that was awesome. He found us and thank you for the kind words. And, you know, we meant it. We definitely enjoyed the album and we can't wait for more. Oh yeah. I'm looking forward to the remix album. So, yeah, but we should probably let our, Two listeners go now. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We will return in seven days with three videos per Tony's challenge mm-hmm. and a surprise review that will most likely be shorter than tonight's. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye now.